previously on Dream Realm. There's a bunch of hackers on Dream Realm. They're doing what I'm doing, raping, assaulting people. They've created mods which they can do sexual fantasies with. Some of it's pretty nasty. The hackers behind it, they call the system the Dark Dream Realm, or the Dark Realm. The guy who contacted me was in charge of the hackers and the code. His name, or nickname, username, I suppose, is Marzipan. We'll find Marzipan, Jordan nodded. I don't know what kind of trouble he'll get into, but we will take him and the Dark Realm down. Jordan eyed the poster for a second before showing it to Elias. Do you think this has something to do with the Dark Realm? Since we can't find Marzipan, should we just head here? The poster advertised was for a place called The Gate. Hello, hello, Marzipan whispered as his direct boss answered the phone. We have a problem. You're listening to episode 11, the audiobook slash podcast project, Dream Realm. Voiced, written, and produced by me, Matt Rebar. Part 4, Chapter 8. Gate, the building which was advertised on the poster found in Marzipan's apartment, was a rather industrial warehouse squeezed between two shady-looking buildings. One of which appeared to be an apartment building, the other appeared to be a business building. Like most buildings in the dream realm, some were merely for show and didn't really have anything, perhaps fitting into the main room for play. But Gate itself featured no outdoor signage nor see-through windows, although there was a small plaque which read Gate, which could barely be seen in the grand scheme of the building. Two guards dressed in black stood outside the door, although it was impossible to tell if they were real people or mods. Jordan and Elias watched from down the street as the occasional individual was ushered into Gate. It seemed like those entering Gate had to be approved by the two guards. This looks shady as hell, Jordan whispered to Elias. It's a perfect place for the Dark Realm to exist. How do we get in? Elias questioned, looking at the exterior to the building. It's practically a closed off box. There has to be another way in, Jordan argued. Should we go to the roof? If you think we'll find anything. Elias and Jordan reappeared on the rooftop to the business building to the left of the gate. The two dropped down using a ladder which Elias created. Now they stood on the roof of gate, a couple air conditioning and electrical units whirling away. Indeed, among all the pieces was a single door which led into the building. The two investigators arrived at the door apprehensively before opening it. No light came from the inside staircase, which was revealed behind the door. Fuck, that's kind of scary, Jordan admitted. I-, I didn't expect darkness. Are you okay? Elias questioned, to which Jordan nodded slightly. I- I'm just a little bit on edge. I know this is all a dream and that none of it's real, but I can't help but wonder... Well, I can't help but make it feel real. Don't worry, we can't die here. But we can be raped, held against our will, unable to wake up and escape. We won't let that happen for either of us. Jordan didn't respond, for she knew she would come across too realistically to Eliza's determination and stubbornness. But neither of them could know what was awaiting them within Gate. They could only assume that their skill sets and strengths would help them and save them from within a pinch. Without another word of worry, Jordan walked into the doorway and grabbed the handle of the staircase. Immediately, she plunged into the staircase while Elias followed. The starry night of Urbana began fading out quickly as the door closed behind them. With a quiet slam, the staircase was plunged into complete darkness. Down below them, sound could be heard trickling into the staircase as the bass, the music, and the general small commotion from gate began to build as they descended the staircase into the space. Finally, Jordan could feel the staircase stop and a door closed in front of them. Slowly, Jordan opened that door. 
The staircase had led them from the roof to a smallly dimmed lit storage room. Unsure of what it was, but knowing that the room was empty, Jordan and Elias left the staircase. It's just stock back here, Jordan whispered, coming closer to another door. Unsure of what that door would lead to, Jordan took a peek through the door crack and looked out into gate. The good news was they appeared to be in the back of the second floor of the building. The two managed to easily sneak out of the storage room and now made their way onto the floor. Most of the second floor appeared to be devoted to private space, while two grand staircases connected the first and the second floors in the corner of the building. The private rooms appeared to be utilized for some kind of sexual practices, as the occasional stripper dancer, both male and female, entered with at least one accompanying man. Above the second floor was a large chandelier, which was set at a rather dim setting. A couple lights flickered through the various colors of the rainbow, splashing both the first and the second floor in correlation with the music. Jordan and Elias were able to see the first floor from the second floor due to the large open space in the middle of the second floor. The second floor formed a wide rectangular balcony where one could see most of the room down below them. Down below on the main floor were two large full bars and a variety of stripper poles. Men stood in circles around the poles, all watching the dancers like wolves in heat. There appeared to be one singular back room which occasionally involved one of the men or the strippers, but for the most part was left alone. I wonder what that room is. Jordan whispered while they continued to stand. Both of them tried to look less conspicuous, but frankly, nobody had yet to grow apprehensive of them. I think maybe that's the staff room over there. Jordan craned her neck over to the other side of the second floor. While most of the rooms were short, perhaps with only a room for a mattress, if that, the room Jordan had called attention to was larger. Some of the girls and boys continued to attend to that room, which had normal lighting behind it. I think that's where we need to go, Jordan explained. It's like a back staff room. The men who use this place won't talk to us, obviously. And besides, they'll probably tell on us, so we need to talk with the employees instead. I don't think either way people are going to be apprehensive when it comes to talking to us, Elias whispered. True, Jordan shrugged. But I'd rather ask the girls here. We've had luck with victims, and these girls and guys working here as strippers and prostitutes are victims. Even if they agree or sign up for this, even if they get money, even if they're mods, this isn't right. I don't care if this is a dream. This behavior feels so real. It's tough because it's only as real as it's not real. That's confusing, but it makes sense at the same time. Jordan paused for a second. There's been some coincidences, like finding out about the damsel in distress, you know, the bar. Do you think... Think that the Dream Realm's own code and system is helping us? Yeah. Who knows? Elias shrugged. We can talk about that later, but for now, let's make our way to that room. The two crossed the second floor while watching a couple more men and their women of the night enter and leave the small rooms on the perimeter of the second floor. Finally, Jordan and Elias were right by the door which led to the staff quarters. Jordan knocked on the door before entering to find just one woman alone. Chapter 9 Hello, how can I help you? The single woman asked, standing up from the vanity table in front of her. She appeared a bit confused and a bit scared. Two strangers coming into the room which appeared to be just for the staff. Indeed, there was a few vanity tables and a wall of lockers in the back of the room. My name is Jordan, and this is my investigative partner, Elias. We're looking into something called the Dark Realm, and our investigation brought us here. You wouldn't happen to know anything about that, would you? The girl's face bleached up a bit. She immediately grew worried. I can't, I can't talk about this. I should just... I shouldn't talk about this. The girl whispered, trying to look past him to the door. I, 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 sh I should just go. Please, stay and talk with us, Jordan asked, looking at the girl in the eyes. This was an easy tactic. Direct eye contact usually made people submit to a conversation. Please, just a couple minutes. What's your name? Janice? The girl whispered, and upon her arm was the insignia of Dream Realm, tattooed upon her skin which indicated she was not a true human, but a mod. I, I might not be able to speak on much. We're all promised into secrecy on some issues. I understand, Jordan continued, her eyes bearing deep into Genesis. 
I appreciate that you want to talk and that you're choosing to talk. So what's going on here? What's Gate? Gate is a strip club and a brothel, a sort of online registry of men and women. It's, it's nothing more than that. You hesitated, Elias whispered. What are you leaving out? I, I can't really speak. But you can nod. Jordan questioned, which was answered with a nod from Janice. Is this place connected to the Dark Realm? Janice did some sort of half-shrug, causing both Jordan and Elias to be confused. What does that mean? Well, we, we are just appetizers for the clients of Gate. The real entrees come after the clients receive the codes. Codes? Like the codes to rape women? Janice nodded, her eyes filling up with water. Gate is practically a brothel. But what happens here could happen in the dream realm at any given time, Janice explained. Prostitution isn't illegal here. So this is a front, Janice nodded. Downstairs, there's a room where clients go. They pay their wages so they can get more than what's here at Gate. Is that a room where people go and sign up for the codes so that they can become part of the dark realm? Janice nodded again, and Elias found himself taking the lead on the questions. How do people find out about the dark realm? People talk, Janice shrugged. Men tell their friends about Gate, who then find out about the, the prospects. From there, it's just a secret society almost. Jordan turned to Elias for a second. Gate is the front for the Dark Realm, and it practically says so in the, the damn name. And It's a gateway into the organization. They use this location for member recruitment to show and talk about possibilities. This is where they recruit and do business. And Jordan turned to Janice again. I'm sure you can't divulge names, but can you tell me how many people run the Dark Realm? I only know two. But I think there's more, Janice whispered. Both Jordan and Elias immediately could only think of Marzipan, but would a mod like Janice even meet Marzipan? At this point, the inner circle of the Dark Realm operations could be, at a minimum, three. What do the two of them do? One of them runs the club and makes us. Janice looked at her Dream Realm tattoo, which indicated she was a mod. The other does, like, marketing. Both of them are here quite often. In that moment when Janice referred to her and the mods of Gate as us, there seemed to be a look of sadness. Janice wasn't real, nor truly human. She was a video game character who could interact with reality but not truly become real. Janice's will was tethered to her owner. No real escape was offered to her. Jordan and Elias were talking to a computer, fabrication. But the look on Janice's face, the emotion in her voice, everything about her appeared real. But even in the fantasy world like the Dream Realm, a mod like Janice was bound to feel real. Hell, if the world around Jordan felt real, then what was stopping Janice from feeling real? Is there any other establishments besides Gate? I'm sure there is, Janice whispered. I've seen men who get the codes and then never come back. I'm sure once you get membership, you have access to more things. Why would they not use the space? Because this space is mostly consensual. It's rather normal. The, the sex that happens here, it, it's quite vanilla. Some of these men, it's almost like they speak with the devil. Their desire and wishes, it's something you'd have to force upon a woman or a man, even a mod. Have you been raped? Jordan questioned, the serious question burning the air around her as she spoke it. Janice's face and body went limp of sorts as if she was shutting down and unable to answer. I have. A couple of the men immediately tried on some girls here. I didn't really do anything. Or stop them. I, I'm not sure if it was rape, but... Of course it was rape, Elias muttered. Don't justify their actions. Just because you work in this industry doesn't mean you're automatically giving consent. I know. Janice paused. So what are you two going to do about it? We're going to stop it, Jordan explained. We're going to stop this from happening to other people. Where? How? We still need to find out who's behind this and how they're doing it. Okay, but then after that, 
After you find out who's behind it, what will you do? Well, we'll get to that bridge before we cross it. Because what they're going to continue to do is use the code in Dream Realm. Because it's not really illegal in real life. There has to be a way to make it illegal. To make these people fess up for crimes they're committing, Elias explained. We will take them to trial in the real world. <laughs> the real world. Something I can only imagine, Dennis chuckled. Here in Nirvana, all I see is endless city blocks, gray and cold, calculated in patterns, repeating itself over. I don't know why people come to Urbana. Out of all the realms, this one seems the least appetizing. I agree. Thank you for your time, Jordan nodded. We better go before we get you in trouble. Jordan didn't even realize the true situation when Elias opened the door. Two security guards dressed in pure black were waiting for them. Shit, Elias whispered before, immediately grabbing Jordan's hand. The two of them went to vanish from gate, but found themselves unable to leave. It was a similar sensation to the women who were unable to vanish from their rapists' clutches. Jordan and Elias eyed each other in the frozenness. Jordan had experienced this once, but this time was different. Behind them, Janice looked absolutely petrified. You're coming with us, the one guard snarled. All three of your asses. Chapter 10 Captain Montaz's question of where Elias would be in the future rang a chord seven years after that interview. He was now at the ripe age of 29 and had accepted a job as an investigator and detective for the police department and the prosecutors of the Cardonia Police Department. That naturally meant that he had to put in his notice of his promotion in the field to sever his ties with the L.A. community. Most officers can tire out on the job, especially considering he was working in L.A., a city that by 2050 had doubled since the previous century. But for seven years, Elias DeAngelis had grinded out case after case, verdict after verdict. It only took him seven months to be promoted from officer to junior detective, a rather impressive feat, and then a year after that to gain the status as a full-fledged detective. As detective, he received the chance to get his master's for free, which he took, and following that, he rose to senior detective. All the explosions within his career happened in five years' time. But there was something missing, even with all those parts. And while Elias was very good at connecting dots around him, he wasn't as good figuring out the pit of his soul. Case after case, verdict after verdict, criminal upon criminal, victim upon victim, none of it fazed him. But it was actually the sad state of his father's declining health and his mother's continual aging. Elias felt that he had no choice. He decided that Cardonia would be more worthwhile considering it was an hour away from his hometown. I'm sorry to see you go. Gene Scaccati sighed, the two of them standing outside Elias' small, modest house within the L.A. suburban complex of Middle America. The house was empty, most of the furniture being sold off, and the other remaining supplies half in transit to Cardonia, the other half in Elias' car. I don't know how I feel about it either, Elias honestly said, smoking a cigarette. He only smoked during stressful situations, like in the process of moving to an entirely different city. Elias' smoke wafted off his lips and into the air above the porch. I've never seen you get personal, not in the last four years. Gene had been Elias's detective partner for the last four years. This is as raw as I've ever seen you. I've always been honest, Gene. Honest, but not forthcoming. Listen, my father might have a year, maybe two left, and I've never bonded with him, but I feel like a piece of shit if I didn't try and do something. So moving to Cardonia to spend a weekend day here and there with your parents is going to fix that empty hole, which is the relationship you have with them? I've never had a great relationship with anyone in my family. I'm not going to say it's my family's fault and I'm blameless. It's just that I'd feel really shitty letting my family go by the wayside without trying to do something. You've always had morals. Well, this is perhaps the most valiant thing you've ever done. Shining like the knight you are. <laughs> Shut up, Elias chuckled. 
You're telling me if your parents needed you, you wouldn't move back down to San Diego? My parents won't need me for a couple more decades, Gene shrugged. But I guess it depends. Depends on the moment, the case, the desires. My family's very important to me. I'm close to my parents, so seeing what you're doing here, I don't know. Makes me believe I would do the same if I need to. You're a better man than I, Gene, Elias shrugged. I know you do what's right, no matter the cost. So Cardonia, what do you think it's going to be like? Are there going to be hotties up there? Is that all you can think about, <laughs> even with the new girlfriend? I might be taken, but I'm still allowed to be your wingman. You're not even setting me up with a woman. You're just broadly talking about the general women of Cardonia. Shh, that's a secret to being a wingman sometimes, Gene winked. But you won't get married until they allow humans and robots to marry. Please, even the robot will be too much for me to handle with this new job, Elias joked. But maybe if the right robot came along... The two continued to drink and smoke on the patio of Elias's house for the last three years. Granted, Elias had rented the house and Ned never bought it, although he couldn't help but think about the new apartment he had leased in downtown Cardonia. There was going to be a lot of differences that following morning, when he would leave for the trip up north. But till then, he was going to enjoy these drinks with his old partner before wondering about the next ten years. Chapter 11 Without argument or fuss, Jordan, Elias, and Janice were brought across the main floor into a door which led to the basement. Instead of there being a singular basement floor, there was a hallway. A couple doors were on the left and right, each marked with a different employee or purpose. Finally, the two guards, who were walking behind as to have the advantage, pointed to the last door on the left. Jordan was the one to open the door and was the first to take view of the office space. Shades of black, white, and soft red were the main colors of the office. The black leather couch replacing the standard two chairs in front of the large desk, which in this case was a firm white marble. There were two bookshelves filled with books and knickknacks, although while Marzipan's decor had seemed potentially faked, these two bookshelves looked purely for show. Behind the desk and seated upon a red exercise ball was a woman which Janice clearly knew. As Jordan, Elias, and Janice sat down on the couch, the woman in charge shuffled a bit on her exercise ball. Janice, I hope you weren't too honest with our intruders. Then again, how could you have known that they were nothing more than filthy guests? The woman spoke, her short hair the color of heavy magenta pink, her outfit made of white silk. She was an interesting mixture of soft and hard, sexual and professional, her accent American and her nose piercing rather unique. I didn't say anything, Janice whispered. I promise, I, I didn't, I, I didn't magenta, I promise. The woman, apparently named Magenta, ushered out a heavy, as she continued to remain seated behind her desk. Well, I won't hear these lies, at least not until after you introduce me to your friends. Magenta turned her head from Janice to the two invaders. Who the hell are you, and what are you doing at my club? We're social scientists. We're doing research on prostitutes and their attitudes towards sex. Jordan immediately answered calmly. Are you the owner of this club? I don't even get how you came in. The front guards didn't allow you to entry. Magenta growled. And the social scientist story is cute. But if you think I buy it, you must be a little dumber than you are. Come now. I know you're up to something. You've just got to be. Magenta turned back to her loyal servant. Did they come at you with a survey and questions of a social application, Janice? Or did they come for something else? They asked about me. Please, don't act like there's anything to ask you about. Magenta rolled her eyes. Now tell me, Janice, what happened in that room? Magenta had clearly designated Janice as the weakest link. And if there was anyone who was going to spill secrets, it would be Janice. But Janice was holding her own against Magenta, a fact which must have truly agitated Magenta at her core. I created you, Janice, Magenta growled. You're nothing more than an extension of me. You can't truly lie to me. You know I'm not lying. Janice's face was rather strained and once again proved that she was indeed lying. I'm telling you the truth, Magenta. I I'm being super honest with you. Super honest? 
Magenta questioned, repeating the statement as if it was a disgusting thought. When have you ever been super honest, Janice? You're a whore, a mod. You're not built for honesty. You're built to be told what to do, and thus you do it. Janice didn't respond, and so Magenta returned the pressure to Jordan and Elias. I got a call from one of my colleagues earlier, Magenta explained. A woman and a man were being rather nosy around his property. They broke in, looking for God knows what. And from what his descriptions are, you two look very much like those involved in that crime. You have us confused, Elias responded. We've been going to clubs and brothels all night for our interviews. Where are your recording devices? Where are your notes? Immediately, a book of notes regarding sex workers' feelings on sex flopped onto Magenta's desk. Magenta looked at the copy for a moment but didn't seem to give a shit about it. Magenta could read straight through Jordan's dreamed-up copy of research. How did you get into my club? Magenta redirected her steam and fire, wanting to know more about the duo sitting on the black leather couch in front of her. We just walked through the front door, that's all. You wish, Magenta smiled as she turned on a television screen against the back wall. Upon the television screen was stock photos from the security cameras. We do not have you on any cameras entering the club. But all of a sudden, the two of you are on the second floor and then entering the room set aside for employees. Wouldn't true investigators enter the normal route? Maybe ask permission from the boss establishment? You know, I don't know social workers, you see. But maybe if you hadn't been sneaky, I would have believed your earlier claims. But this... Magenta picked up the notes which Jordan had created. This doesn't feel real. Well, we are in the dream realm. Jordan responded coolly, a response which Magenta appeared not to like. Regardless, Magenta played it cool and turned back to Janice. I'll let you decide how you want to play this out, Janice. After all, you have the most to lose. Magenta threatened, turning now back to Jordan and Elias. But I want to go back to an earlier point. If you two were the ones who broke into my colleague's apartment, well, that makes you dangerous. We have no interest breaking into apartments, Elias added. We're just collecting data. What a convenient excuse. Magenta smiled. So if I bring my colleague here, he won't confirm that you're the ones who broke into his house. We had nothing to do with that. Fine, I'll just tell him to step on by. Magenta laughed casually as she picked up her phone off the desk. In the split second between Magenta's last statement and what she was going to do on the phone, Elias flipped the tables on everyone by legitimately flipping Magenta's desk. Chapter 12 Magenta's desk, which was covered slightly in the usual professional tools like a stapler and a hole punch, flew into the air over Magenta. Magenta screamed, moving off her exercise ball, which popped like the balloon it was. Immediately, Jordan stood up and grabbed Janice, heading out of the room and into the hallway. Elias followed, the security guards creating guns out of midair and immediately firing in the direction of the three fleeing quasi-prisoners. The guards stood in the office after the three have left, unsure of what to do. Magenta had gotten herself together, a small cut on her arm from the collapsed desk. Go on, we need to get them. Killing them means they can reload elsewhere in Dream Room. We need them alive! Magenta screamed, ignoring the phone call to Marzipan, which she had almost conducted. Using a gun, Eli shot down two guards so that they could flank the staircase. Jordan busted the door open, which spilled onto the main room of Gate. Dancers continued shaking their hips and twisting their lips into forced sexual smiles, while the three immediately began running to the other side of Gate. Magenta and her two security guards burst out of the basement staircase. They began firing into the room after Jordan, Elias, and Janice. All sorts of people began fleeing the scene. Clients and strippers, bartenders and barbacks, real humans and mods. For some reason, Jordan and Elias could still not transport themselves out of gate, but instead had to use the regular world method of running away from the impending danger. However, after hiding out from bullets behind a stripper stage, Jordan and Elias took out their own guns they had created into thin air and began firing back towards the security guards. More guards flooded the building from the entrance and the back entrance, all of them armed too. Fuck, we're surrounded. 
Jordan whispered as she looked in all directions. The room was now empty of clients and employees, although some had reappeared on the second floor to watch. As the fight continued, the second floor gallery would fill as employees and clients watched the fight, which now enticed them after it originally had scared them. Just hold the ground down, Elias asked, turning his head both directions with his gun ready at all angles. There's not too many of them. Both sides were struggling to land any bullets, considering the true depth of the room. The bullets rang out for a bit until Magenta called a slight peace as she spoke towards Elias and Jordan. Let's strike a deal, Magenta muttered. Let's stop this gunfight. You be honest with me, and I won't make sure you get hunted down in the Dream Realm tonight. I can keep you in the Dream Realm with our codes. You may eventually wake up to your alarm, but that gives me time to inflict torture, get information. I don't think that's a good deal, Elias barked. Do you have anything better? I don't think I do. Magenta growled, upset that her foes were being picky. I know you two were the ones who entered Marzipan's apartment, and you're not going to get away so easily. I don't think she realizes that she loses if she shoots and kills us, Jordan whispered. Is suicide the best bet out of here? We should try and remain alive, Elias argued. At this point, we can still get info from Janice, but calling it a day on ourselves isn't an option, that they won't let us out of here. Magenta pulled out her cell phone and began a call which was syncing up with King, but King wasn't answering her call. During her retreat, Elias shot out a few bullets. The guards immediately retaliated while Magenta tried holding the security back. Instead, bullets tore through the air and ricocheted against the metal. One of the bullets tore through the air and split Elias' head into two. Elias' body immediately fell over, blood and brain guts spilling into the flows onto the floor of gate. Chapter 13 In real life, Elias' death would have mattered so much more. No doubt Jordan would have become hysterical to some degree or perhaps numb by what had happened. Either way, her reaction in the dream realm was different because she knew Elias did not die. He would just become reincarnated in the mainframe. But now, there was probably no way for him to join her within Gate. Magenta and her goons seemed to have some kind of advanced technology, which allowed them to control who came in and who came out of Gate. No doubt part of the code enhancement and hacking they've been doing all along. Now I think it's time for you to join your friend, Magenta muttered, no doubt realizing too much damage had been done. I've had enough of you. Magenta turned to her guards. Finish her. Bullets came flying from all directions, and Jordan went to protect herself and Janice, although one of the bullets managed to tear through her chest. Jordan felt herself fall over, blood pouring through her body. She felt the pain as if she had been legitimately shot, and everything which followed seemed to echo what it would have been like in real life, pain in the form of fire, until darkness consumed her and she... awoke in her bed, back in Cardonia, California. Immediately, Jordan turned to her cell phone and called Elias. It did not take long for Elias to pick up the phone. Shit, they got you too, Elias whispered while Jordan noticed that it was 4.14 in the morning. They did, Jordan sighed. We need to get back there, Elias. They're not going to let us in. If they can keep us from jumping off the realm, they can keep us out of gate. It's not too late, and who knows what they're doing to Janice. Janice is a mod. She's not a real person. She felt so real. I can't imagine just forgetting her, but you're going to have to. Real people are suffering and they get priority over the misuse of a mod. Janice was helpful and yeah, I feel bad for her. But there's probably nothing we can do now. We need to get back, Elias. We can try, but we might not be able to get back into gate. Well, can we at least try? Fine. The call ended and Jordan was worried that she wasn't going to be easily able to get to sleep. She took a half dose of sleeping medication just to get some kind of effect. Twenty minutes later, the two were on top of the apartment building next to gate. Bad news, the staircase entrance now had two guards attached to it just like the front and back doors to gate. There's no way in, Elias whispered, turning to Jordan. We can't do anything. I don't think that's true, Jordan whispered. There has to be a way in. We'll just keep getting shot and killed like some kind of psychedelic video game. Besides, we don't need Gate anymore. It's nothing more than a strip club with a recruitment booth. 
The men don't stay here, nor do they really rape women here. Besides, Magenta doesn't seem like the true leader, right? She seems more like an assistant leader or something, a woman running the dark realm. I mean, does that make sense to you? Women are capable of many things, Jordan spat slightly. But I agree. A woman in charge of this entire operation seems unlikely. I bet Magenta is the only girl involved in this scheme, at least at the level leader. So with Gate blocked out, though, what do we do next? At work today, I'll have to see if I can grab someone who could uh, maybe hack into the Dream Realm data. If these guys can do it, so can we, Elias whispered. There has to be some sort of trace system, so maybe we can see where people who visit the gate go next, you know? That's a smart idea, Jordan whispered, rather excited at the possibilities. Do you think that data exists? It totally exists, and I'll find it. The two stood outside the building for a bit before retreating for the time being. All the while, within gate, another conversation was going down. Chapter 14 the bodies of Elias and Jordan vanished soon after Jordan's death in the mannerism of dead bodies within a video game. Magenta stepped forward. Her guards paused at the moment by the exchange. Clients, sex workers, and mods watched in the background, still unsure what had happened in front of them. The only sound that could be heard was Magenta's boots which slammed down against the surface of the ground floor. The audience continued to watch as Magenta stood above the huddled, shaking form of Janice. Come with me. Now, Magenta whispered, turning on her heels and heading back to the room. The club music, which had cut out after the bullets rang out, had returned, as had the second floor's appetite for engaging in their vices. Magenta walked down to the basement while Janice followed. Guards stood behind Janice, but Janice was not going to be a problem. After all, Janice belonged to Magenta. Magenta entered her office, which had already repaired itself. The bullet marks in the door frame were gone. The white desk appeared as still as ever. Magenta set down the red spear and looked across at Janice, who had returned to the couch alone. "'Tell me the truth. Now!' Magenta barked. I, I, "'I told you the truth!' Magenta immediately stood up and walked over to Janice, grabbing the girl by the throat. Janice gasped, her eyes welling up as Magenta slowly gripped tighter around her passage of breath. "'No, you didn't, so I'd like you to share the real truth!' Magenta whispered, spit flying out of her tightly pressed mouth. "'What did they want?' "'They... They asked about what we were, about Gate. They asked more, but I didn't speak on those questions. I was silent. Magenta could feel the honesty in this response, although the response wasn't good enough. Magenta did release her hand, standing back from Janice. Do they know about the Dark Realm? Yes. What do they know about it? The, the rapes. That's it. Yeah, but they, they want to stop it. Magenta laughed again, that part standing out for her for being rather humorous. That's a laugh, Magenta chuckled. Any reason why? Or are these social scientists merely looking to be philanthropic heroes? The latter. Magenta's sound was almost rather annoyed, somewhat bored, all in between. Is that really all they wanted? Yes. Well, it's a shame you didn't tell me that earlier. You could have saved me so much time and pain. Magenta eyed Janice. Goodbye, Janice. Magenta closed her eyes while Janice began screaming. But by the time Magenta opened her eyes, Janice was gone. The two guards who had led Janice to Magenta's room were now standing in the back of the office, and neither of them looked upset or worried. Magenta had just uncreated Janice, since Janice was Magenta's mod. It was very easy to get rid of a mod, as Magenta had just performed. Unfortunately, Janice had become more of a liability than a blessing. Can I have the room? Magenta asked, and the guards left without saying a word. Magenta tried calling King, who once again did not, or could not, take her call. Instead, Magenta sighed, dimmed the lights with her thoughts, and began to create. Like always, Magenta created original faces in her memories, binding them together with timid and manageable personalities. 
Sweat would come down her body as the couch would begin to form human beings, which were everything but truly human. Flashes of excitement crossed her mind while she created the mods. They began forming on the couch, seated, and looked neutrally happy at best. Magenta finished, sweat coming down her back as she looked at the two new girls she had created for Gate and the four new children designed for other clients. The little children, who looked particularly innocent, had no idea what they would be doing shortly enough. But thankfully, this was where Magenta took control. I am your boss, your mother, your everything, she whispered, her voice rather strong yet lovingly. I am Magenta. Thank you so much for listening. For more podcasts and work done by me, Matt Rebar, check out my website at www.mattrebar.weebly.com. Tweet or Instagram me at Reebstar, H-R-I-B-S-T-A-R. And if you missed it, all 10 episodes of season one, Unconscious, Subconscious, are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and more. Until next time.